the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Americans know that we have to save money for retirement. Millennials, for instance, expect more than half their retirement money to come from personal savings, yet 42% haven't even started saving yet. Now, Warren Buffett's the greatest investor of all time, but he's old. He's going to die. He no longer has time on his side. If you're younger, you have time on your side. It's something that I hate to bring up. Um... But people under 35, you gotta get snapping. You gotta get going on the saving things. Um, you're now an adult. You no longer have to have your checklist of, I need to study, I need to write a paper. Do you remember how important it was to write a paper? You're in college, and you have a paper due tomorrow at 7 a.m., 8 a.m., and you don't even start on it till like 3 a.m. And it was like, if I don't do this, my whole future's gonna be ruined. And for weeks and weeks and weeks, you could have prepared, you could have done it, you could have started it, you could have taken notes, you could have gotten it ready. But nope, uh, you're just like, you're not ready for adulthood yet. And then you worked at a cafeteria or you, you know, made coffee for people. But now that it's, it's time for you to grow up. Um, and one of the things about growing up is mom and dad shouldn't be doing your laundry anymore. You should no longer have stacks and stacks and loads and loads of dirty laundry in your room. It's, it's time to get some concepts going. One of the concepts is... Um, you can't, some things you can't buy, uh, when you're under 25 and, you know, I know a lot of parents, they get their kids anything that they want. And at some point in time, they got to stop because that kid's going to have to go out and do it on their own. Um, and for instance, if you take a look at a monopoly board now, they should update it. And basically everything's unaffordable. And you can't buy any properties. You can't get a hotel. It's basically a monopoly board that says you can't afford this one. You can't afford that one. Oh, how about I live in New Jersey and in the slums? Nope, can't afford that either because the slums have been taken over by yuppies. So part of growing up is pretty important to the, grasp, the grasping the aspects of it's you got to start making some tougher decisions. 
Let's bring in Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. Good morning. One of the things you and I have talked about is realtors. And <laughs> it's interesting because I do a lot of shows dedicated to technology and how technology is putting a lot of jobs out of business. Um, and I think that is just going to continue. And it's really important for parents to understand that robots and technology it's going to continue to threaten people from truck drivers to wealth managers and everything in between. Um, so automation has become an increasingly disruptive force in the labor market. So I'm happy I grew up when I did. Um, I feel that there was still a lot of opportunities for me. Uh, and I always said things like, oh, I could just become a truck driver if I need to. <laughs> but sooner than later, truck driving jobs are going to go the way of the robots. So I want to talk a little bit about realtors. Because I think it's a pretty hot topic, and the real estate agent. And one of the reasons I contacted you 15 years ago, I said you got to move to the West Coast because I'm seeing way too many people get mortgages that they don't, they shouldn't get, uh, just because they have a pulse. And I knew some people at Diablo Funding, who great guys, but they would do a mortgage and then they'd go to Hawaii for 30 days, smoke a lot of marijuana, come back. Find another mortgage, either through the phone or through a buddy or through a referral. Go to Hawaii, smoke a lot of weed for a month, come back. And that was their, their life. And I was like, this can't be true. This, this is, it's almost too good to be true, right? Yeah. And the, back in the, the heyday of mortgages, and that's pre 2008, you could do that as a loan officer. You can, Get a $600,000 loan. You're going to make two points in the front, two points in the back that the client never sees. You're getting, and they're getting a starter rate on a, you know, 1% on a NEGAM loan. You're going to make, uh, what's that come out to, Rob? $24,000. You can afford to take a month or so off or a week yeah. or two or in Hawaii. Uh, and then come back and do it all over. Everybody was looking for mortgages. There was a lot of turnover in properties. A lot of people refinancing. A lot of people trying to figure out what to to make um, work. So there was a, enough business there for pretty much everybody out there. And when I got in the business, that was the first thing I saw. People buy, buying Hummers and BMWs and taking the vacations. I don't know about the whole dope thing in Hawaii, but... Um, you know, it, it it was something that was very shocking for you know, for me to get into the business during that that period of time because I was like, "What's going on here?" You've never tried to score marijuana in Hawaii, asking a doorman, <laughs> no. Maui Wowie. I was just happy to you're, be there. You're acting all innocent. So let's talk about realtors because it's one of those areas that hasn't really lost its job yet to the robo advisor, but it's it's starting to come that way. I think there's four types of realtors. There's the one who knows the process inside and out, the home buying and selling expert who knows the process of how to buy, how to sell, what to look for, what's most important, how to keep things moving. Um, and that character is really important. There's the realtor that I like myself is the community expert. You know that I, um, I used Julie Geyer at one point in time to buy a home because mm-hmm. she was a community expert. She knew the schools, she knew the parents, she knew the streets. She used to ride a bicycle on that one. Um, she knows the current local market has knowledge about living experiences that are specific to that neighborhood. For instance, I was sold, oh, you're only 15 minutes from the beach. I'm like, I'm only 15 minutes from the beach. Yeah. And all you got to do is jump over 92 and you're at the beach, Santa Cruz or um, Half Moon Bay. Uh, you're four hours from skiing. You're, you know, 
25 minutes from San Francisco, 25 minutes from San Jose. It's pretty central. It's a community expert. Then there's the marketing person and salesperson who goes home and gets on their computer and markets, 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 and does a beautiful flyer and comes in with a camera crew and, you know, shoots your house beautifully to make it look better than it is. Then the final type of person is a negotiator who, you know, is pretty hardcore at getting you what you want. And we don't really have a lot of negotiators in the Bay Area because our market's non-negotiable. Take it or leave it. Um, you have a, a cracked foundation. Well, they My buyer it. wants it. My buyer is <laughs> motivated to get into a cracked foundation. It's definitely a different feeling be- going between the selling and uh, and buying. I like the combination of all four of those. And I think that's a necessity in, in what I would call the consummate realtor and the consummate professional in the business. And it's, it can be very difficult to find that. Um, what amazes me is that there are still people, a lot of people trying to get into the business and compete with a lot of the people who have been in the business for a long period of time. And it, um, it's, and when the inventory is as low as it is right now and sales, they're not churning like they used to. Uh, it's got to be pretty difficult. In in the town I live in, there's 100 realtors, but we only sell 20 homes a month, maybe 29, I think, on a good month. And that's, um, you know, there's, that means that there's 60, 71 realtors that aren't doing transactions that month, and then the next month, and the next month. It's a, it's a tough business. Well, a lot um, of the four skill sets that I just talked about, the home buying process expert, the community expert, the marketer, the salesperson, the negotiator, all those are replaceable with the Internet. Except for the negotiator. Yeah. The negotiator yeah. you can't replace with the Internet. Internet searches have gone up tremendously yep. in the last few years. Why are we uh, even using realtors if we're finding the cities ourselves and finding the properties <laughs> ourselves? That's that's a question that a lot of people are asking, especially sellers that are paying 3 4 you know, up to 6% on a transaction. And, um, you know, when it's all said and done, the, the industry needs a, a arbitrator for the most part. And there's a lot of legal aspects to the industry. Uh, but I think when it comes down to getting the best price, I think you need to use a, a realtor that has those four uh, characteristics because it is all about getting the best price. And they do earn their money, and they do get that rate of return on, on using a professional that, that can charge that. Tony is a mortgage expert. He does mortgages. He does my mortgages. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. <laughs> Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So becoming an adult means starting to consume adult ideas. And I know there's a cliche out there that moms want their daughters to meet a nice dentist. If you meet a dentist, make sure you have a nice shirt on kind of thing that you, you hear through the media. I think that's part of being an adult now is, is having that concept of I need to find a good mate. I saw in a study tied towards Valentine's Day that if you have a good job, you're much more attractive to the opposite sex by about four times than if you have chiseled abs, which bodes well for me because I have a nice job <laughs> and my abs, I, I maybe have a two-pack, <laughs> maybe. Um, Front and back, right? Just say, let's say when the muffin top gets a little out of control. <laughs> 
I'm husky, okay? I'm husky. But I'm I got a good job. Exactly. But remember, like, uh, in the good old days, Tony, when you would basically your plans were to wake up and lay on the couch? And now you just don't have time for that. You have mm-hmm. to wake up. you got to catch up with what's their name. you got to, you know, clean the house. You've got to go shopping to get things that you need. You can't just lay around on the couch on Saturdays anymore. Uh, Saturday is a business day for, you know, doing all the stuff in your life that is part of being a grown-up. So with that said, uh, talking about – we're talking about realtors in the first segment, and I hit on the – there's the four characteristics where they have to be a good – you know, process expert know how to buy and sell. They have to be a good community expert. They have to be a good marketer and salesperson, a good negotiator. And I'm seeing more and more people just start to do it on their own. And I think they can. There's a website, for instance, called smartzip.com that will give you a free home value rating and a full comparative market analysis for 30 bucks, which is something that used to be exclusive to realtors. Um, you can now take out a Facebook ad and sell your home there. A Facebook ad is going to cost you 25 bucks. You can target all women. Uh, in your neighborhood, and you're going to get many, 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 many offers. And a little sexist of me, but I, I tend to think that the women are the people that drive real estate purchases a well, little bit more so than men, because I would live, honestly, in a cardboard box, and I have lived <laughs> in a cardboard box. Both sides of the industry, and what I mean at the mortgage side and the real estate buying and selling side, are feeling pressures from the digital age right now. Right. Um, uh, we're we're fighting right now digital mortgages. Uh, we're not fighting it. We're trying to embrace it. And I think that that it, the the more that the real estate industry embraces the digital era, uh, the online era, the the millennials that are coming out here with great jobs, great down payments, great credit scores, the ones that do have this here in the Bay Area, uh, they they have to embrace it. Uh, you know, the realtor I work with in San Francisco, he's he's has to be completely connected to everybody, and um, he he needs to be able to put out. Um, almost any kind of analysis on a property at, at, at an instant and be able to send that to the client um, and give accessibility to, to uh, he has to have really interactive virtual tours um, and and so on it, it, there's just so many things that people are people are are it's basically the hardest thing to keep up with is the digital era I mean I I'm not right. going to say that I'm I've kept up with it, but because I, I'm and the more people who are able to keep up with it are the purchasers and home buyers. Now. Exactly, that's what I was trying to say. Is that they're they're doing it faster than the real the real estate business, and right. so there's a big concentration right now on trying to um, keep us up to speed right. with what's going on. And uh, I still think that digital mortgages are going to take a lot longer than maybe selling a property online because there's still a lot of hands-on things that you need to do to... There's a lot of legal legal Yeah, a lot of legalese. And I I think the paperwork will still be there. I think you still have to get... You're going to still have several documents you have to notarize. Um, But I think once the title companies and the realtors and the lenders... But I think realtors need to watch out. All start working. I I believe so as well. And there's other industries like insurance. I'm going to be hiring a marketing group this year. Mm -hmm. And the group that I'm looking at is... There are a bunch of surfboarders down in Santa Monica. I'd rather hire them than someone who's been in the business for 40, 50 years because the younger kids who are actually surfing after work, they know the cutting edge technologies. Um, they're just as smart as the people who have been in the industry 30, 40 years. Yep. Um, and again, as far as realtors go, 90% of them are lazy and you can do a better job than 90%, but those 10% really earn their money because they're able to pull all the skills together. Um, and to me, that's, if you ask your realtor today, what, what are you going to do for me? And they don't say the word Google. They don't say the word Facebook. If, if they don't throw those out there, you need to fire them almost immediately uh, because they're kind of like Bon Jovi, uh, you know, kind of 1990s. 
hasn't done much since. Kind of living on that kind <laughs> of reputation. On living on a prayer. Uh, which is great and all, but we're in the 21st century. And if you're, if you're a realtor, can't come up with, you know, what Google AdWords are and a pay-per-click campaign. And like I said, you can buy a Facebook ad for women aged 25 to 35, single or married. And we have the perfect house for you. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, that's gonna, it's a good, and Comcast does it kind of on a level too, where you can like, you can buy ad campaigns on the golf channel. The golf channel, very highly affluent people. People who watch golf are people who make six, mm-hmm. seven figures. Um, or mid six figures, whereas people who watch Comedy Central, not so much. And you could target a bullet shot with 21st century information. So if I wanted to sell a high-end home, I'm buying an ad on Comcast on the Golf Channel. So. I think you uh, would be a good realtor, Rob. Oh, God, no. So I've got a problem. <laughs> so you've got what, what problem is that? Motivation. Uh, so um, in my 20s and 30s, I was hungry. But look at me. Does it look like I've dug a ditch in the last 20 years? You and I'm that soft. the two pack. I'm soft, so yeah. I I've said this and I, I I do truly believe this. I have one more startup in me. I've got one more business in me, and then I'm done. Um, I've made enough money. I can live till the day I die. I can retire right now if I wanted to. Um, I've got one more radio show, one more business, one more something in me, and I'm done kind of reinventing myself. So anyway, I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind of a big deal. So, you know what's kind of scary is that moment where you have to submit an offer on a home. It's kind of a big moment, isn't it? Yeah. And we we kind of forget that when we're years removed from it. But in that process, in that time, it's like, whoa. So when you're ready to make an offer on the house of your dreams, there's a lot of little things you need to remember, right? Uh, there's several. Um, and there's still th- people miss a lot of things. and. It's, it's going to be impossible for you to interview a realtor that's going to be, make sure that they cover all of those points in that contract, but uh, they still miss quite a few things. And in some cases, uh, there's a there's a lot of, of of buyer agents that are hoping that the seller agent misses some things. And uh, you'd be surprised on some of the things that realtors get away with, like uh, they, they miss the contingency or they miss an inspection or they miss... Um, you know something that says we have. I had one person say we we have 30 day contingencies in a 30 day escrow, and the this, this the selling agent missed it. Uh, so I, yeah, there's a lot of it's a pretty intense you know what process. Always scared me was the earnest money. That when you give a check yeah. to someone and say I'm really serious about buying this property, and wait, you get to keep it if something falls through. <laughs> That's, I mean, I remember yeah. that, that scared me, and I almost pulled out of deals before. It's scary on our side, too, because we're giving that pre-approval out, and we're saying, yes, we, you're going to get this house, and by the way, you don't need a loan contingency, and if something happens and we didn't do our due diligence, that's pretty scary on our end, too, but we, we really do a good job on our ends, but it's a lot of pressure writing a $30,000 check. You heard it here, 90% of realtors not worth their money. 10%? Totally worth it. We'll talk about that and more. You can find Tony Mendez at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. He works his butt off to get your mortgage approved. I know that to be a fact and true. Eight hundred 
800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking money, investing, and more. Joining me now, Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. How are you, Mr. O'Hare? Hey, Rob. Doing well, thank you. We're, I guess, 100-plus days into the Trump presidency now, and the script is starting to flip a little bit, where we thought we were going to get health care reform. We thought we were going to get tax cuts. We thought we were going to get tax uh, repatriation. A lot of positives, uh, I guess you could say, throwing out rules and regulations, making it easier for business to do their thing. And the script seems to have flipped. Is the Trump rally dead because of this? Uh, you know, I don't think it's dead. I just think it's kind of grown a little tired um, right now um, because everything you just talked about, you know, yeah, it hasn't happened, you know, right off the bat, um, but it's not, uh, it's still in the works, so to speak. And even the reports this morning suggest that the, the president and the White House are trying to revive this health care reform bill. Um, so we'll have that to focus on again here this week. Um, and so it's just a lot of things that are up in the air. Uh, and I think that the, the fact that the market has sort of um, slowed and has lost some of that post-election momentum it, it saw is due in large part to the understanding that um, the legislative process is not an easy undertaking and, uh, and things have not unfolded quite as quickly as many people thought they might. Um, off of that election result, but I think there's still an underlying belief that things will get done, uh, which is why the market is prone more to go sideways these days or, or just down ever so slightly as opposed to fully correcting in a big way. So what you're looking at now, I guess, is probably earnings season. Am I, am I wrong? Because that seems January, February, March. Uh, we're moving into April, right. so the first quarter is done. Yeah, yeah, the first quarter is done. Um, and you'll start hearing uh, those results come out in full bore really in the latter half of, of April. Uh, and, of course, you usually get to start with the technology and the financial companies. Um, and so, uh, so that'll be interesting to, to hear, but uh, more important will be the guidance you hear coming out of that reporting period for the second quarter and, and the full year. Uh, but, again, I, I think that, you know, the market – is essentially in this mode of, of I think, playing the, the Trump put, right? And, again, goes back to what we just discussed, is that this idea that it can tolerate some disappointment on the earnings front uh, so long as it uh, maintains its faith in the notion that you're going to get the tax reform that it so is desperately seeking. Um, and then if you happen to get better than expected earnings results, well, that's just the cherry on top because then you have the – the uh, the parallel view that uh, that the economy is doing just fine without anything uh, coming down the pike in terms of legislative reform, and so when you get that reform, it could be doing even better. And so, so it'll be an interesting period, obviously, to see which which angle plays out. But uh, overall, I do think the market continues to embrace this idea uh, that. Uh, that it will see tax reform, even if it's a uh, messy process and a little bit more delayed than what was previously expected, but it hasn't given up on the idea yet. 
So what do you think we should be f- focusing on? If it's, is it the earnings? Is it the valuation? Because a lot of people now are starting to say the valuation is a little bit crazy that Mr. Market, tip of the hat to Warren Buffett, has gone a little crazy. Um, should we just take a break? Should we go on spring break for the next quarter, let things kind of catch up, so to speak? Well, I think the market is going to kind of just sort of um, move laterally um, into the, to the the French election, uh, frankly. That's kind of like the big bogey that's hanging out there right now in terms of a known factor. Uh, you'll get the first round of um, results in late April, and then the second round of voting takes place in early May. And uh, with the chatter out there that, you know, you have a a potential election outcome that could really upend the European Union, I think that there's a little bit of hesitation in front of such a uh, a high-risk event, and uh, we'll see if that actually, you know, plays out. Of course, there was the same chatter ahead of the Brexit vote, and and clearly things have held up just fine after the Brexit vote, but nonetheless, uh, it's one of those big sort of macro items that's hanging out there, and I think that... Uh, considering the run that the market has already had to this point, you now take a step back and you have more of a, a sense of hesitation in front of that risk event, and um, you know everyone's just waiting to see how it unfolds. But but I think you're right, Rob, to the to the point about you know valuation. It is a focal point here, and and the market's concerns about valuation will either be exacerbated by. Uh, you know, uh, a disappointing outcome in that French election or perhaps a disappointing earnings reporting period um, or maybe some other geopolitical issue. You know, as we hear a lot more about the desire to keep North Korea in check, you know, when things like that break, uh, the valuation, um, you get a sense of just maybe how overvalued the market is based on the knee-jerk response you get to events like that that could be negative uh, in, with with their headline scope. And so so it was really just this period of really lingering uncertainty right now uh, on a number of fronts, which is why the market's momentum has slowed here and, and it seems to be very much in a, a wait-and-see type of uh, mode. I have a friend that is in the real estate business, and we talk on a regular basis. One of the things that we both kind of agree on is that it's tough seeing the, it's tough to predict when the stock market or the real estate market could go lower because we look around and all we see is demand. We see consumers, we see people working, maybe they're not making as much as we want them to, um, maybe the high end won't work as well as the mid end or the low end in real estate, but is that kind of a general feel that you're getting on the stock market too, that it's tough to say it'll go down because you look around and people are busy? Yeah, that's a very good observation. Um, people are busy, incomes are, are going up. Albeit not as not as fast as home prices, uh, but they they are picking up somewhat. Uh, you still have interest rates that remain relatively low, uh, and you still have this perception that you're going to get stronger growth driven by legislative reform efforts. And I think everyone is very fearful. I shouldn't say everyone, but I think a lot of people are fearful about missing out on the next leg up in the market. You know, should it unfold in a very favorable fashion with everything coming together in a, in a positive manner. And, uh, you know, markets can stay overbought 
you know, for extended periods of time is the fact of the matter. Um, you know, and I think that that played out when we go back into into the 90s when you had the famous irrational exuberance comment from Fed Chair uh, Greenspan, and and of course, you know, the market took off for several years after that remark. Now, obviously, things came down in a big way uh, once that um, period of speculation came to a head, but. But nonetheless, it did underscore the point that uh, even if you're looking at a high valuation on the on the overall market, it can stay high for an extended period of time before you get some type of uh, fundamental break that is maybe precipitated by rising interest rates uh, in particular. Now, you do a couple columns for briefing.com. I start every morning with your page one. Today you talked a little bit about how Citigroup downgraded Bank of America. You talked a little bit about Caterpillar being added to a conviction list. A lot of stuff going on the trade balance report. But another column that you do is the big picture, which comes out on Fridays. That, that takes you a little bit longer to write, I would imagine. Uh, what are you working on for the big picture coming up? Yeah, it does take a little bit longer to write. Uh, publish it usually every Friday. Um, and currently, um, along the lines of what we were speaking about earlier, I'm going to be doing a, um, a preview of the first quarter earnings reporting period. Um, but I'm also going to work in the perspective of what we've also discussed here today, that I think that while earnings are, are clearly important, I think that the, the overriding factor for this market continues to be political in nature. And therefore, uh, as long as there's this ongoing belief that you're going to get the reform efforts that the market has been seeking, uh, it can look past some disappointing guidance or some disappointing first quarter reports. Uh, and uh, But at the same time, if... Uh, and to get better than expected news is just uh, all the better for the market as it continues to latch on to this notion that, uh, you know, that can still count on tax reform efforts um, uh, later in the year. Thanks very much. That's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. Lots going on in the markets. I think he does a really, really nice job of summing it up for us. Um, again, his page one is how you start your day. And... Uh, Sometimes he starts off like, for instance, I'm reading right now, there's news reports this morning suggesting the White House has been working to revive the health care reform bill. So this will be the third attempt to get the health care reform bill out there. And we're starting to see that Democrats are kind of catalyzing um, around trying to stop the Supreme Court nominee from being put into place. So the momentum that Trump had with a Republican Congress is kind of fractured a bit. Uh, can they get enough put together to get this health care reform bill through? Is there enough compromise in it that appeases everyone? Um, with that said, health care reform bill that continues to struggle, you're going to start to extrapolate. Will the tax reform process um, be stalled? And that dredges up a belief that the policy agenda is like a, a ship right now without a rudder, that there's not a lot of definitive direction. Now, this happened under Obama as well, where Congress couldn't really come together and approve a budget till the last second, or sometimes days and weeks after it was due. Dysfunction in Washington is called gridlock. Gridlock is typically considered good for Wall Street, um, but sometimes it doesn't feel so much so, especially when debt continues to soar. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Again, you can find briefing.com at briefing.com pretty easy, and Patrick O'Hare is a wonderful guest on the show every Tuesday at 7.33 Pacific Standard Time. Ladies and gentlemen, we've begun the
initial descent And now it's time to pull up on the wheel Black now. 800 516 1220. That's 800 516 1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Tuesday is free cone day at Ben and Jerry's. Woo-hoo! I don't know. Something just tells me, like, do we need to have that? But I guess. I'm not going to be the only person to poo-poo that one and say America's fat and such, but we are. Staples is reportedly in talks to sell itself. I got an email today from Amazon asking me if I wanted to join Amazon Prime Business. You've got mail. Um, I found that to be pretty entertaining. Uh, on the same day that Staples is reporting to uh, it's in talks to sell itself, um, BlackBerry stayed relevant somehow, some way, some shape, some form. Uh, it's kind of nice to see. When you're taking a look at BlackBerry, what you're talking about is, remember the phone. And Apple kind of killed them. Much like the same day I'm telling you that uh, Staples, I get an email from Amazon Prime Business. It's just like, whoa, you see BlackBerry still in the news. And you're like, how bad did they miss it? You know, was it one phone? Was it, you know, BlackBerry refreshed the didn't click against Apple's iPhone? Was it Google's Android that you know really put the, the death nail into it? Time will tell, but it is interesting to take an eyeball look at it. Um, Tesla passed Ford in market value as investors are betting on the future. Now, this is a big story from the New York Times today, talking about Tesla and Ford. And again, a lot of people are like, that doesn't make any sense. Tesla doesn't sell nearly as many cars. Now, Keep in mind, it's not about, Wall Street isn't about what you did today, it's about what you're going to do in the future. And when you're taking a look at a Tesla, you're looking at a company that doesn't have legacy costs, it doesn't have, you know, as many factories, clearly they've got some other businesses that are outside of the automotive industry, tied towards batteries, and they're going to start selling their batteries to a competition, right? And there's a lot that's going on there. So car sales in the United States are dropping right now, but Tesla's a pretty vocal company, and uh, they get noticed, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, You saw their CEO, Elon Musk, a couple times talk about going to Mars and getting off the planet or funding, uh, you know, how to stop robots from killing the world, (laughs) and you're like, you're a lot of fun. As far as the CEO goes, uh, he kind of gets it out there, right? So... So Tesla's kind of got a lot of little stories about them today, Um, whether it's them passing forward in market value or whether it's CEO Elon Musk mocking the short sellers as the stock goes to a high. You know, um, when you're taking a look at conventional wisdom, it gets shattered when someone like Elon Musk is involved. So he's got a vision that Tesla's going to change the world and is primed to cash in on the two transformative trends in the industry. 
um, which is the shift to electronic vehicles as a part of a broader societal move to cleaner energy, and ultimately the advent of automated driving. Even though a result came out yesterday that said uh, automated driving is being dominant right now by Ford and not by Tesla, Google, Apple, or Uber. Uber! And Uber's a company that needs a new CEO. (laughs) Bad. Um, As far as getting their vision and their voice out. So Samsung Galaxy has the S8. And a lot of people have jumped on the reviews. And it's a great phone. Now, will it blow up or not? And will they get a recall or not? And will people buy it or not? I like the Apple ecosystem. I've bought apps that I don't want to buy again and again and again and again. I like iTunes. I've bought the Star Wars films that I can watch again and again and again and again and again without you know, playing around with, you know, oh, you have to log in this way and transfer this over there. I'm too old for that. Samsung last week introduced its new flagship smartphone, the Galaxy S8. Uh, they had to withdraw the previous one, you might remember, uh, due to the battery defects that would cause them to overheat and or explode. Um, the Galaxy 8 is getting brave reviews. So will it be enough? It's probably not. Apple stock has jumped over 50% from the last major low. Historically, it's common for stocks to rise more than 50%, take out stops and short sellers. Um, after about a 60% move, there's usually retracement. Apple stock has rallied 24% in the first quarter. What a quarter. So... Um, you know, before you make up your mind on the Galaxy S8, will they win or won't they? Will they squash Apple's rally or not? Um, go use one. It's got a gorgeous, huge display. Um, they've kind of ditched the conventional aspect ratio of 16 to 9, and they've gone with 18 and a half by 9. So it's super narrow and easy to hold. The screen is gorgeous because it's organic light-emitting diodes. It's also got a quad HD four times the definition of standard high definition, which means 2960 by 1440. That's pretty amazing. Um, It's going to look good. So now Apple, I guess you could say that they'll take those reviews and let's see how well they sell, and then we'll put Apple on the clock, so to speak. uh, What I mean by that is during the summer they release their software to developers, and there's a big to-do about that. Uh, and in the fall, you get the you know, new operating system slash new phone. Um, just in time from back to school. Man, Billy got an iPhone. When do I get an iPhone? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Ralph Warren is closing some stores. Um, and I saw Victoria's Secret. Their uh, parent company is, is closing some stores because a lot of Victoria's Secrets and Ralph Lauren's are in crummy malls. And by the word crummy, I mean, you know what I mean. So the foot traffic just ain't what it used to be. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.